Alright, we are back to podcast, and I uh, hope everyone has had a good week. The Lord has been good to you, and uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, 1 Corinthians 9, and um, we're moving right along in 1 Corinthians. We have, I believe it is 14, I'm sorry, 16 chapters total, and so we are well over halfway there um, in our our venture through this book, and uh, I will grant you it's been a very heavy book, um, and it is, but it's a book that I feel like can can help a church and uh, help folks in their maturity with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, in this text or in this chapter, is having to uh, speak about, he, he's basically covering everything again he's it's almost a synopsis and of everything that he's he's covered up until this point um now let me say real quickly before we get started good um yeah you guys know i've been out of we've been working in and out of town all weekend with newton and so we're going to have some late evenings coming back and so that's that why that's why we we did podcast this week and there'll be occasions like that especially as the spring and the summer months come upon us. So we're looking, uh, hopefully we'll be back in, in uh, in-person Bible study on Wednesday night, next Wednesday night. But don't forget about Sunday services. Uh, we'll most likely, we're going through Jesus's relationships in his life and a good chance we'll be dealing with he and Peter he and Peter had a tremendous relationship, very close, uh, ups and downs to say the least, but uh, did have a, a great relationship. So uh, just remember these things. We are um, moving right along in our book of 1 Corinthians. And so as we talk about it and we come to it tonight, remember some things that I talked to you about earlier, how... Uh, Corinth was a, a very wealthy city. It was a metropolis. There were some very well-to-do people uh, in Corinth. And um, so understanding that, um, we it, it, that is pertinent to what we're getting ready to talk about in the chapter. Now, Paul's going to cover some things in this chapter. Um, he's going to validate his apostleship. He's um, going to talk about, again, the right to marry. And then he's going to talk about the pastor and his right, or the ministry and a minister's right to receive a salary. Um, and so he's, he's covering a lot of ground. And one thing about Paul, I've always found it funny and fascinating even when folks will say, you know, you you must have heard uh, something I said or something I did. You're preaching right to me. Well, if you read the Bible, if you read the Bible, you will find that that's exactly how it was done. If if a if something came to Jesus um, and some kind of news came to him, he would deal with it. If he knew something was going on, he would address it. Um, Paul, if he received word, would always address the problem. So when you see Paul dealing with these issues, it was because there was a reason 
in, in dealing with them. So, there, there, of course, we've already dealt with marriage in chapter 7 and the right to marry. He addresses it briefly, like in one verse in this chapter. But he's primarily dealing with these folks that uh, are pretty well off. They have money, but they seem to be a little sideways or bitter about Paul receiving money himself in the ministry. And, uh, you know, no minister, no real preacher, no God-called preacher that I know will do it for the money. They're not doing it for the money. They're, in fact, most that I know, the good ones will pay. They'll pay to preach. They'll pay to do the work of God, much less, you know, have to receive it. But um, to receive is certainly within the scope and the bounds and the commands of the Scripture. So, having said that, let's jump in to chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye not my work in the Lord? So, verse 2, let's read it. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Now the word apostle here is is come from the Greek word meaning one who is sent forth. It means a delegate. And the word is typically used especially of the twelve, but also Paul. Now all of the apostles, I've mentioned this to you before many times actually, had seen the Lord. And this was an essential qualification of apostleship. This is a very strict issue. Acts chapter 1 verses 21 through 26 and 1 Corinthians 9, 1 and 2 we'll see. Um, so had to, to be an apostle you would have had to seen the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore there, there were some who was, and, and both of the Corinthian letters deal with this, who are calling into question Paul's apostleship. Now, having said that, let's look, if we could, to verse, and, and, and again, that's why it's important to understand Paul's thorn in the flesh teaching when he was caught up to the third heaven. He did see the resurrected Lord. He also saw him at his salvation. So Paul had witnessed the resurrected Jesus, at least on two occasions, maybe more. So he says, I am for you for the seal of mine apostleship. Are ye in the Lord? By the way, that's why we do not have, nor can we have, the office of apostle today. We have many offices, but that of the apostleship has essentially been done away with based on that requirement of having seen the resurrected Lord Jesus. And uh, so let's move forward. Chapter 9, verse 3, mine answer to them, that do examine me is this, have we not power to eat and to drink? Now, let's go to verse 5. Verse number 5. In this verse, Paul is again... Uh, given or defending the right to marry. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? 
And um, so he, he's just saying we sh we've got liberty. And, and again, just like I taught last week, when you mature in Christ, there is a certain element of liberty. There's great liberty. As a matter of fact, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And so we have tremendous liberty in Jesus Christ. Now, that is not a, that is not a license to sin. It is freedom and liberty from sin. And so it's, it's very un important to understand that. Some were misinterpreting that. Some have felt that Paul was teaching that as a libertine. Nothing could be further from the truth. Paul is not teaching nor giving a license to sin. Paul is simply saying we're not bound by rules and limitations in and of themselves, but we're bound by the love of Christ that constraineth us. So he goes to verse 6, verse number 6. And in verse 6, he says, Or I only, and Barnabas, have not we power to forbear working? Forbear. Who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard, and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who, doth, who feedeth the flock, and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? So what he's saying here is, is if you tend to a flock, you have the right to eat of the flock. If you tend to the field, you have the right to partake of the field. And he's transitioning this into the labor among the churches. And he's saying, if, if the church is my labor, if it's my labor, then I, I have the right and I have the liberty to to take offerings and and you know giving from the church for what I do. Now let's let me say this: a pastor should never set a salary. He should never require a salary. He should never ask for one. The people should willingly give and want to give. Okay, and so that's the difference. Um, the office of a pastor has been cheapened very, very badly to basically a job. That's why they interview, and that's why they hire, and that's why they fire, and that's why you uh, see salary and so forth. But and, and that's why you see preachers and pastors requiring a certain salary. That's, that's wicked. That's wicked. It's wicked to deny a preacher an offering or a giving to him, and it's just as wicked for a preacher to require it. Okay, this should be a, a, a freely given and freely received issue amongst both parties. So he gets into this. Verse number 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, doth God take care of oxen. He's referring to Deuteronomy 25 and 4 there. And basically he's saying if, if you are, if, if, if uh, an oxen is good to you and an oxen is taking care of you and he is doing his service, you should not muzzle him and prevent him from eating. On the same token, Paul is making the, the reference, he is making the analogy to that of paying a preacher. 
And he's saying if he's good and he's feeding you, he's feeding you the word of God, there should never be an issue with taking care of him financially. That's that's what it's teaching here. Or saith he it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that hath thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. In other words, when you plow, you plow with the hope that God is going to take care, God is going to bless in in great ways. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, so do you see that? There's the context. If we have sown unto you spiritual things you have given spiritually, it is a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things. So he's saying, look, if we're if we're blessing you spiritually, if we're giving to you the word of God freely, we're feeding you, then we should be reapers of the carnal things, the earthly things that you bestow upon us in return for that. Verse 12, If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. He says, we're not making this an issue, but I am trying to teach this. And if the gospel of Christ is going to have free reign and free course, the minister can't have this, this worry on his mind. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which are at the altar are partakers with the altar. So right there he's saying, look, you know, it should be part of your living. Now, even so, the Lord hath the Lord ordained that they which... Now, I want you, I want you to notice something. If everybody's listening to me, okay? If everybody's listening to me, I want you to perk your ears up. Okay, there's a verse here, verse 14, that I want to use to teach you something. Now, this does not mean that a preacher or a pastor should not, could not work physically. Paul did that by making tents when churches were unable to support him full-time, okay? Our church is, at this time, not able to support me full-time. So, of course, I've got, I've got jobs where I, I do that and I support myself. And then you guys uh, give me what you can, and I thank God for that. Now, I want to show you something here. This is one of the most misquoted verses that I've ever come across by a lot of people. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14, here's how most, most interpret or quote this verse. Even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live the gospel. Now, did, did you read that along with me? How many times have you heard people say if they're going to preach it, they should live it? If they're going to preach it, they should live it. Well, I got news for you. That may be true, but that's not what this verse says. I left out a word, a two-letter word, that changes the meaning of this entirely. And I want to correct those that say those that preach the gospel should live the gospel. Let's look at what it really says. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live, there's your word, there's your two-letter word, of the gospel. In other words, 
make their living of the gospel. Not live the gospel, live of the gospel. Living of it, making their life of it. That it should be a means of income for them. Now, some churches can't, some churches don't, some churches won't. And if they won't, you know what? God will move a faithful preacher on at some point to someone that will. But the verse actually says, even so hath the Lord ordained. So this has come from the Lord. This has come from Jesus. This has come from God the Father. Okay? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Make their living of it. Amen. That's what it says. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. He said, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it to teach you for other preachers and other pastors at some point, that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So he's saying here, look, I'm going to preach it either way. I'm going to preach the gospel no matter what. And there's going to be woe unto me if I don't preach it. Now, that right there is a verse that God used in my life to, you know, when when I when, when I went through divorce, separation, there's a lot of folks that, that you know, they, they'll say you're done, you can't again, you know, no matter the circumstances or what have you. Well, this is the verse that God continually used to me and for me to ensure that I got right with him and got in the will of God and preached and taught the scriptures again. And that is, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. And I can tell you, that was my life. That was it. I, there was woe. There was sadness. There was sorrow. And my, my fulfillment, my contentment, my happiness, my joy came back as I preached the gospel. So, let's look here in verse. And he says that in exclamations. Exclamations. There's nothing sadder than a man called of God who's not teaching and preaching the scriptures. He's a sad individual. Very sad individual. For if I do these, this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without a charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. So right there, you see that? You're not to charge for it. So what Paul refers to here, what he addresses is the mutual obligation between himself, the preacher, and the church. The, pre the church has a responsibility and an obligation to take care of him financially. He has a responsibility and an obligation to preach and to teach even if they aren't taking care of him financially. There you go. Verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Now, I like this. 
And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law, to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this do I for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. So what he's saying here is that I'm, I'm not laying hard line parameters down in any way, shape, or form in my life because I want to be able to win everyone. And, you know, I know preachers, that, that politics is a great example of this. Great example. It, it's such a polarizing issue in our society, okay? And to me, it, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'm sure a lot wonder why, you know, I don't, I don't get political, and I don't, because it cheapens the gospel. Preachers are not to be politicians. They are not to be promoters of politicians. They are not to be endorsers of politicians. They are to preach and teach the gospel. And it is a cheapening to endorse any man other than Jesus Christ. It is. Now, having said that, this is a good this is what Paul's saying. He said, To the Jew I'm a Jew. To the law, law guys, I'm the law guy. Whatever. Libertines, I'll be a libertine. He said, I just want to win people to Jesus. When a preacher, knowing that politics is such a hard line, polarizing issue in our society, the preacher gets up and he just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on, like a Trump rally, an anti-democratic you know, party. Or there may be someone sitting there that's lost and undone without God that because they're lost and worldly, their political party's a big deal to them. And it's a stumbling block for them. Now, on the other hand, preacher may be a you know, liberal, libertine. He may be of a, of a liberal bent. He gets up there and he spouts... Um, liberalism, he spouts, you know, the Democratic Party. Well, you may have a, a gentleman there, a lady there, who is, is hardcore right-wing. And guess what? It could set them to the side and say, you know what, I, this kind of sets me the wrong way. And it's cheapened the gospel. It's cheapened the office. It's cheapened the church. It's cheapened the Bible. That's not our job. We are to be a friend to all men, to love all men, love all uh, genders, love all races. By the way, there's two genders, but that, that, that that's Bible. That's not political. That's Bible. Love both genders. Let me go back and rephrase that. Not all, both. Love all races. Love both genders. Love the saved and the lost. Love any kind of Democratic or Republican Party. Because we want to win people to Jesus. That's our goal and that's our objective. Just teaching you what the Bible says. All right, let's look here, here in verse number 
24. I know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. He's saying run your race for the objective of obtaining a prize. Okay, now watch this. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. He said we're we're striving for something. We can't get caught up in politics. We can't get caught up in finances. We can't get caught up in the things of this world because our crown that we are searching for is an eternal crown, not a temperate crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He said, I'm, I'm not looking to beat against the air. I, I'm not just shadow boxing. I want to effectively fight. So we see Paul's reference to boxing here. He says, I want to land the blows I punt, I throw. I want to hit my target, and I want to have something worth fighting for. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, this, that lest that by any other means that I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's a throwaway. And so Paul says that my greatest fear, my greatest fear, he winds this up by saying, my greatest fear is getting caught up in the trivialities of this world. And when I fight this fight, that it's like somebody that's just shadow boxing against the air, never landing any blows, never having any effect, and then just becoming a castaway, being someone that used to be, being someone that used to do it, being someone that used to preach, being someone that used to teach. Paul said, that's my greatest fear. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying let's keep on the firing line, get our focus back on the Word of God and the things of God, off of the world, off of the politics, off of the finances, you say, but they're cutting off our groceries. They're cutting off this. They're cutting. Can I tell you that if you can't go to the grocery store and get a, a, a cream cheese, you still have it better than 99.9% .9 of the world. If you can't go to the grocery store and get your favorite brand of, of fish sticks or coffee or, or potato chips or candy, you still have it better than 99.9% .9 of the world. Yet Christians are so caught up in this, this trivial stuff that their focus is off the gospel. Paul said, I don't want to be a castaway. I want to be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. That should be our focus, and that is going to be mine. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great evening. I will see you Sunday as we deal with the life and times and relationships of Jesus and his, his relationships, most likely the Apostle Peter. Good night. God bless you, and I love you all.